0: we are doing another ask the coaches podcast episode i put up a question box it's probably a few weeks ago now where you could write in questions on our instagram account for any questions you want to be answered on the podcast and i took the first six questions that came in and these are the questions that we will be talking about on this podcast episode the first one is what is the best type of music to listen to while running and we'll also go on a deep dive of should you listen to music while running um, and maybe other questions that are kind of in the realm of listening to anything while you're running versus not listening to anything number two we'll talk about how do you fuel when you are not hungry but you must eat Um, I think we had a question similar to this on the last Ask the Coaches episode. So just want to preference that we're not registered dietitians, but we will be covering a little bit about what to do in this situation. As you do ramp up training, it is really important to fuel your body properly. So we'll talk about what to do if you're not hungry, but you know you're supposed to be eating. Um, The third question is when doing hill repeats, and speed work, is it okay to walk in between your intervals? So we'll talk a little bit about the different types of running workouts there are and what the purpose of each workout is and why you may or may not want to be walking in between your intervals in a run workout. The fourth question is really broad, but this person just wanted to know how to get back to running after pregnancy, so we'll do a deep dive there. Question number five was asking, is body weight strength training as effective as using weights? We'll talk a little bit about the benefits that can come with body weight training, but we'll talk about how they are different endeavors and how you can do certain things with your body weight that maybe you can't do with weights, but we'll talk about kind of the pros and cons there. And number six, this is a very uh, classic question. I think all runners have heard this, but Everyone says that running is bad for your knees. This individual wanted to know, how do they prove them wrong when people are constantly telling them, hey, isn't running bad for your knees? So, so, so we'll talk a little bit about like where that myth originates and how to approach um, the conversation with someone who is maybe being a quote-unquote hater on your running journey because running is definitely a healthy endeavor but there is a reason why sometimes people have that um that myth in their head maybe they knew someone that got hurt by running so we'll do a little bit of a deep dive into the whole um stereotypical quote-unquote myths that are out there about runners so, number one, first question is a little bit more lighthearted. hearted um, It's just, what is the best type of music to listen to while running? I mean, I know in the running world, this can be a really controversial topic. Um, my background is maybe a little bit different than Jason's here. So, I started running as an adult. I kind of started running for fun um, in college. And so, for me, when I went to go run... The intention was to like blow off steam and kind of jam out. I really like running with music and I always have. That's where like the roots of my running kind of come from. I enjoy music and I never really ran with anyone um, for a while there in my, the first couple of years that I was running. Um, and what I would do on a lot of my runs is listen to music. And so if you're someone who comes from that type of a background to hear Jason's side of things, it might be almost like shocking and it might make you feel like, whoa, um, how how can you enjoy running that way? So tell everyone a little bit about your running background and maybe the first time you ever even like listened to music on a run outside of like a stereo blaring. (laughs) Right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I think, you know, growing up, I got into running uh, as part of a team, right? So we had track and cross country. So I was usually running with a group or at least one other person so it was kind of a social thing and you know and then even in the off season like training in high school you know in the summer for cross country I would go on my runs by myself and you know I would not take any device at all I don't even know if I used a watch but it was just a chance to enjoy you know nature and kind of collect my thoughts and just be there um, just be present and listening to my effort um, so I didn't ever really listen to any music even th- all throughout college not it wasn't until probably post-collegially where I started running more on, like, the treadmill in the wintertime. And and I, I brought along music, and I at the time I had headphones that had a wire connected to my phone, right? And so I just listened to some music um, to make, help make the runs go by faster, because the treadmill for me was kind of boring. Um, and so that's sort of how I started introducing it. And then, you know, as the years kind of flew by, I started... Uh, getting more into podcasts, and then I had the wireless earbuds, so now I'm at a point where if I go on a run, I'm I'm carrying those earbuds with me, and I'm, you know, 90% of the time I'm listening to some sort of podcast, maybe or ebook, and then um, very rarely will I do music, but on occasion, if I have a workout or something like that, I know one year I ran Twin Cities Marathon for fun, so I I started with podcasts, and then I just turned on some music there for the second half of the race when things started to get a little difficult. So that's kind of my experience running with music. Um, very rarely, I would say only. Um, maybe a handful of times have I used it to do a workout on the treadmill.
0: Yeah, I kind of like the history of how you ran it through like the first 20 years, you never really listened to anything on a run. Um, but I think the interesting thing is just thinking about like your two fastest marathons where you ran 246 at Chicago, 249 at Boston, those were ran like with absolutely no technology. I mean, right. you did have a GPS watch at Boston, but at right. Chicago. No GPS watch, no headphones, nothing. And so it was just really like you and the road. And that to me, I've only ran, well, besides, I've done a few like track races and stuff. I'm not really counting that, but like road races. Um, I've done one and only one road race without music where I was actually racing um really what distance was it? it you want to know what race it was it was yeah. the victory 10k in 2014 okay. <clears throat> i had one of my headphones in and i heard the announcer at the start line of the race saying music is strictly prohibited oh, okay. yep. you are going to be disqualified from this race if we see that you have headphones in and i was like wait what is happening right now because You're i never had never it. heard of yeah. something like that but this was a race that was put on by usatf and it was a part of this like circuit race thing here we have in Minnesota where you have these little teams that you're on and then you can score points and at the time I was on um like the lifetime fitness where you worked I was on their run team and I just didn't want to get disqualified. I didn't want to break the rules obviously like I have a lot of respect for the running community. So I was like oh shoot I better toss this and I remember standing next to Alicia Manser and I was saying I'm really nervous right now because I have never ran i I don't even think i'd ever like run without music and i had definitely not raced without music (laughs) and i was so nervous that i was gonna just not be able to run well but i ended up running a really good time and it was a pr that i didn't break for probably four years so i think it's interesting because in the running community i think the faster runners Um, like yourself, right? You a lot of you guys have that background of running in college and high school. And so in college and high school, you don't run with music. And so I think you just get used to the fact that like you don't need it to run, you just don't run with it. Um, I've also heard of other people, like maybe like Patrick Cutter on Instagram. I think he's come out and said that he used to run with music and now he doesn't. And um or he doesn't race with it, right? Mm. And so you see a lot of fast people who will say I don't race with music and whenever I would hear that as someone who used to really like music I would think oh does that mean like I'm not supposed to and they'd be like well it's better to listen to your body and to not have the music and there's definitely some sort of like controversy out there because I do think there are people that think it's like I've been told by people that it's quote-unquote rude have headphones right. in and I I race with headphones in. I like to keep one in. Um, but I think it's really about like personal preference is what it all boils down right. to. Like if music is something that's like relaxing to you, you really enjoy it, it helps you, I think definitely use it. Um, but I do think there are some benefits to maybe Not using it if you're in that camp as well. So we just wanted to bring that to the conversation because it can be one of those interesting topics for runners. Um, But what type of music should you listen to while running? That's a really good question, and I think it really depends on what the purpose of the run is. And so the reason why I brought up all that background stuff is because I used to listen to music on every single run. If it was an easy run, I was listening to music. It was hard run, listening to music, and I never really diff differentiated between what I was listening to um every run no matter the pace I was listening to the same thing and what I learned over time is that on easy run days if I'm sitting there listening to the same thing I'm trying to listen to on a workout day it's like triggering my body to like want to go fast want to go fast and so I realized I need to on my easy running days either switch to something completely different like a different genre different pace different type of music or I need to go without music, or I need to be um, listening to more like an audiobook or a podcast because it allows me to slow down a little bit more. So I think you can use music to almost help you slow down um, by being choosy of what you're listening mm-hmm. to. And the opposite can also be the case, right? Like, if you have a workout day, maybe you're choosing something that's a little bit more of a pump-up song. Everyone has different tastes in music, so what some people might think is a pump-up song. Like, I know you go to jujitsu class, and you were telling me the type of music that they play. It, that's not the type of music that mm-hmm. pumps me up. Like, what is it, like heavy metal or something? Well, <laughs> some of
1: it. It's kind of like what our local radio station, 93X, would play. Okay. It's like rock, but rock. you do get some, like like sort of electronic like dance type music too every now and then so it's there's a good variety but i think it depends on the playlist for the day um and yeah i know a lot of my athletes say like put a lot of time and effort into designing the right playlist right for their race um specifically right like towards the end of the playlist they want their Mm. favorite songs to pump them up give them that strength and that energy you know late in the race and so that's that's fine to do that and just you know like you said though being aware of like what races are going to allow music or might have a restriction on it um it, I think it's a right. preference thing too, just like you said. But I don't think we should ever be so reliant, like, oh, my gosh, I can't run with mm. all my music. Because what happens if your ear pods ear, die or whatever, or you lose one? Or yeah. just whatever reason, you, can't, you don't have them, and then you're so reliant on it. So I think it's good to go on some runs with nothing or, mm. um, you know, maybe... Yeah, do, do some workouts where you're actually forced to just think more about, like, your body, your pace, Oof. and, and your, your surroundings so that you're more kind of aware of that and how that might affect you, too, um, on a run.
0: Definitely, yeah. I think music can be a good tool in our toolbox, but like you said, I think it is important to also feel confident enough that, like, if something were to happen, like, let's say your headphones did die, which... Has happened to me in several marathons because I feel like the Jaybird sport, not trying to knock on any specific brand, but they don't seem to last more than three hours because it seems around mm-hmm. that point in the marathon they, they end up dying. Um, but that, I mean, that's the point where you really need them, right? So, anyways, I think if you are going to start running without music and maybe trying that on for size, you might want to just start with like an easy run. So, like on one of your easy recovery runs, try going without it um going into a workout without music is more of like higher level stuff right (laughs) so maybe give yourself a chance to kind of ease into things but you could also rip the band-aid off as well but i think really being conscientious of the types of music that you're listening to so for workout days pick something that pumps you up you know your favorite type of music right maybe that's rock maybe it's like uh not techno what is that that genre of like Isn't just electronic I electronic like hip yeah like
1: whatever you like or yeah. like rap maybe Pump you up. like
0: oldies i don't know um but find find whatever that is what i like to do is on pandora like let's say you hear a song that you're just like really into right now you can type it into pandora and i even think spotify does this at the, this point point. And you can search for that song and then the next songs that play similar. will be very similar and so that's kind of how i find music and how i just kind of get through runs um but yeah and then just try on your easy runs to listen to a different genre for me i'm listening to like country on the easy days if i'm really trying to slow down but uh, all in all i, I think i've kind of moved away mm-hmm. from listening to music on easy running days because i think audio books and podcasts allow me to To run significantly slower, which definitely helps in the recovery process. But that was a lot longer to answer that question than I thought it was gonna be. So, music while running, yeah. So, the next question is How do you feel when you're not hungry but you need to eat? We'll try to keep this one a little bit shorter. Um, So, this is going to be an issue if you know you're not hungry and you're not eating because we don't wanna be in like a big calorie deficit when we're training, especially for training for performance related goals we want to make sure that we're fueling our body properly because when you are in a caloric deficit it is going to be hard to reach your maximal potential in the sport of running if you are training for a specific event so it is going to impact your performance when you are competing and training in a caloric deficit now with that being said some people Are trying to be in a caloric deficit while they are training and maybe their top priority goal at that time is they genuinely maybe are trying to lose some weight but I think that should be done under Mm -hmm. um, the guidance of a registered dietitian with your doctor all of those things Um, definitely making sure that you're eating enough is very important and so how do you eat when you're not hungry well we on the other podcast episode talked a little bit about those high calorie (laughs) um high caloric snacks right or high calorie things there's a lot of stuff you can do that just like adds calories to um your food right so making a smoothie immediately after your run um instead of making it with like ice and coconut milk and a scoop of protein powder or something that's low calorie you could really just add a lot of things to this right so you can be adding flax seed chia seed um scoop of peanut butter we're talking if you add all of that that's probably an extra 300 calories right there other ways that you can add in um, additional calories especially in the carbohydrate section is if you're trying to carbo load for something we mentioned adding honey onto like your oatmeal or getting some sports drinks some freshly fresh freshly squeezed juices, all of those really good sources mm-hmm. of simple carbohydrates that help with your glycogen storages and are going to help in endurance events.
1: Yeah, I like those food examples you gave. And, you know, for me, I find that uh, I kind of gravitate towards some of my favorites, right? So I sort of have a, a, a few that are in my routine. And a lot of times, depending on my schedule for the day, Um, my body kind of knows like, okay, this is part of the routine. Like you have to have a snack now because Mm. you just did a run or whatever. And then you're going to, you're not going to eat right away. Or maybe you have like, maybe it's like in between a workout or something. And so you just kind of start to, you're, you kind of know when your body needs to eat it. And so starting to be mindful about the timing, I think is really important. And then the planning that goes into that. So it's all about, I guess, when you do your runs, um, you know, if, if you're super early morning, you can probably get away with not eating much um, unless you're doing like a longer effort run. But if it's later in the day, you definitely want to have, you know, have that plan in place for what are you going to snack on before the run. Um, and so for me, that just kind of becomes second nature. And then just having some of your favorites, um, <laughs> there are things that you're, you're usually making or buying, having those um, readily available. So making sure mm-hmm. you're fully stocked all the time, you're not, you're not running out, things like that.
0: Yeah, that's a really good point is almost having like bookends on your, when you're eating right before, right after your run. And even like during your run, we should be consuming calories. If this is an issue for you, if you feel like you're not getting enough calories, definitely going to need to be eating before your run, maybe fueling during, and then afterwards immediately. So it should almost be like a trigger. So each time you're going to go out and run, oh, I have to eat before. And each time you go on a run, oh, I have to fuel during. Each time you're done with your run, I need to eat within 20 minutes um, and then right. eat another meal a little bit later. Um, so it's really important to have those things prepared and not wait until, oh, oops, I'm supposed to figure something out. So I think, like you said, prepping things in advance. So one of the things that we like to do once or twice a week is to prep things in advance. And we just got done making little um, Egg bites. Egg bites that you can make in like a muffin tin, or I know really popular, the superhero muffins, Shillene Flanagan. um, That whole cookbook series that they have has some really good recipes, ideas that you can make ahead in advance and kind of keep in the fridge for a few days. And that's something that you can really utilize throughout the week and it gives you the quick calories that you might be needing um, if you just remember to eat before, eat after, fuel during, and you'll be good. The third question was, when doing hill repeats or speed workout is it okay to walk? And so this is important just to go back to like what is the purpose of each workout, right? right? So the goal for a lot of hill workouts, I mean it depends, right? A lot of the hill workouts that we prescribe or that I see as like traditional hill workouts are pretty short in nature. It's going to be find a hill, do thirty second, seconds, um, probably like a minute and a half up a hill. Because you're really not going to be able to find a hill that's bigger than that. Um, so the recovery for that is probably either going to be a jog back down the hill or a walk back down the hill. When you're doing a workout where the time of the running interval is less than three minutes or three minutes or less it's probably going to be more using that anaerobic system so it's almost like without oxygen so when you are done with that interval you're going to notice that you are a lot more breathless um Mm -hmm. it's going to feel like wow i need to catch my breath here Um, so without oxygen so during your recovery periods there's probably a few things you might notice you might notice that the rest portion that your coach or the training plan has prescribed is a little bit longer in proportion to how long you are running so with these hill repeats it might be one minute run up the hill two minute recovery or one minute run up the hill, one minute recovery. And that's like a one-to-one ratio or sometimes even more, right? Sometimes we're recovering for double the time that we were running. So if it's one minute on, two minutes off, that two minutes is there for a reason and it's there for you to fully recover in between because going at these really fast paces and these hard efforts up a hill, it's anaerobic. And so when you're in the weight room, for example, that's another thing that's anaerobic what most weight programs are going to have for protocol in between different sets is going to be, usually if you're following the program, it's anywhere between 90 seconds to like five minutes. Um, Most of the weight training programs will be about three minute rest in between sets. And so that's to fully recover because when you're doing something anaerobic, you need a more extended recovery period for the muscles to fully recover. So going back to, is it okay to walk? I would say, yes, sometimes the goal of these workouts is to fully recover. And let's say it is anaerobic in nature. We don't want you to be redlining during your recovery. We want your heart rate to be able to come back down a little bit so that you have that energy and the system has recovered so that you can go ahead and do the, um, the heart effort again. What we've heard from various athletes and coaches is that sometimes an athlete if they do come to that like complete stop or a walk it can be challenging to get get going again it really just depends on the person but i personally when i'm doing anaerobic workouts i do like to walk in between just to get my heart rate yeah. down
1: yeah it's really well said you know like you said each workout has its own purpose and so hills are unique because mm. you're typically just working to strengthen all those like different muscles and leg and and tendons that maybe don't get utilized on flat ground, right? So um, I don't think the rest there is is an issue at all, Mm -hmm. you know, if you walk down the hill um if you're doing let's say a track workout and my my mind goes there because i had so many years of running um you know speed workouts on the track with a team in college and so a lot of times we would walk um most of the time in between the intervals and you might start to jog maybe halfway through your recovery again just to get get your body kind of ready for the next one Uh, but i think the fitter you become and the more used to you get at doing these types of workouts, you find that you don't really need to walk as much after. You can get by with like a really slow jog, right. um, just because you're 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 used to it, right? But for people that are sort of new to this these sorts of workouts, it, I don't see anything wrong with with walking and getting your heart rate down as low as possible before the next rep, right? Because the goal is to be as consistent as possible. Let's say you're doing six by 400 meters, you want to run them all, you know, within a few seconds. Um, and so if you need to, to walk in between that's that's totally fine and so um yeah the rest the variation the time is going to vary too it might be um yeah anywhere up to like three minutes in between so
0: definitely and i like how you were talking about that walking thing again it brought up into my mind we are always trying to get our athletes to slow down on their easy days and sometimes people really really struggle with what is a jog mm-hmm. what is an easy pace and so For some athletes who are having a hard time grasping that concept or you just really don't trust yourself, sometimes walking is optimal because, let's say, you are trying to jog in between, but you're someone that has a really hard time slowing down. I would rather, as a coach, see you do the walk so that I know you are going slow enough to have that recovery. Because if you're just blowing through those recovery um, runs and you're going at a pretty quick pace the problem with that is you're not going to be able to get back up into those anaerobic zones and really get the power that we're looking for out of that workout so again just always going back to the purpose what is the purpose of this workout and your coach should be able to answer that for you another workout that maybe is confusing to people and i've seen this one kind of going out on the internet here and there um there are some workouts like For example 20 by 400 meter repeats that sounds like a speed workout right 400 meter repeats i mean those are short especially the people are probably doing this workout they're probably doing them in like 80 seconds 70 seconds right um so that's a that's a short workout and so at first glance someone goes wow 20 reps that's a hard speed work it's not a speed workout 20 by 400 meter for most people who are probably doing that workout they're doing it as a form of like a threshold and so you really want to be making sure we know what the purpose of these workouts are that could be very much a threshold workout and how you might be able to tell it's a threshold workout is what pace zone are you working in is it close to your threshold pace then it's probably a threshold workout is recovery short probably a threshold workout um, I don't really see someone doing a 20 by 400 meter repeat in an anaerobic zone because that would be, what, like five miles worth of work. It just seems excessive to be anaerobic at that point. Um, another one that can really go either way is 800 meter repeats. And we really just want to be sure we know what the purpose of that workout is because I've seen 800 meter repeats Oftentimes be described as a threshold workout. And so that would be working at your threshold zone And then you're maybe only getting one to two minute jog in between for these you don't necessarily need to walk You don't even necessarily need that break But the break is programmed in there almost as like a mental reprieve or to like kind of build up Mm -hmm. to larger threshold workouts Later in your training. So just because it says 800 meter repeats doesn't mean you have to like go all out and, and all that stuff While there are also workouts you could be doing that are 800 meter repeats working your anaerobic zone, it's all about what pace you are going during the interval and how long your recovery is in between. So just being aware of those things and when you are doing the workout, asking yourself the purpose of that workout and that can definitely help with understanding is it okay should i be walking here should i be standing what should i be doing but really any of those things walking jogging standing they can all be appropriate in almost any workout it just really depends on the person and the type of workout that's being prescribed
1: yeah i like the 800 workout you know i prescribe a lot of that at threshold for for athletes they might do like six by 800 and the rest might be really short like 75 seconds or 90 Mm -hmm. seconds in between And I would expect that that should be done at at like a really easy jog pace. Um, If the workout is more of an interval pace, then they're going to get more rest. So they're going to get two and a half, three three minute rest in between. And then I'm okay with, you know, a lot of that rest being done at at like a walking pace. Uh, I don't really like you just standing around, but if you're at least kind of moving, allowing your heart rate to come down, I think that that's totally fine.
0: Definitely, so number four is how to get back to running after pregnancy. So this is a pretty open-ended question here. Um, Usually you are going to get cleared by your OBGYN or midwife at six weeks to be cleared to resume um, regular life as is. Um, That usually includes exercise but many people need longer than that to feel comfortable kind of getting back to their usual routine or even just getting back to run walks or running at all. Um, lately, there's been a big push for people to get recommend, get a referral um, from their OBGYN at that six-week appointment to go to a pelvic floor physical therapist. I definitely think that can be helpful because Running is extremely stressful on the pelvic floor, and so is birth. And so, there are a lot of incidences of people having incontinence or other pelvic floor issues postpartum that sometimes become unfortunately like. unquote normalized where it could actually be like a pretty quick fix with the pelvic floor physical therapist and I think that can be a really good route and resource for people so if that's something that you are struggling with I definitely recommend reaching out and even if you're not having any sort of symptoms it's still really good like as a preventative measure just to make sure you get a baseline things checked out is there anything you should be doing extra um, and then also getting assessed, like is your pelvic floor as strong or as weak as you think it is, that sort of thing. Um, it really depends on the person and when it comes to getting back into running, right? So let's say you're f- cleared by your doctor, you're cleared by a, phys- physical, so a pelvic floor physical therapist, and then you decide to get back into running, you're gonna see a wide range of what people decide to do in their postpartum journey. Um, I was recently on social media And I think on my Explore page, like a Kellen Taylor post just popped up, and I know she just had a baby probably like two months ago at this point, but she was about three weeks postpartum and posted that she already did like a 30 mile week. And so it can get really diverse here, right? So we get someone who's through postpartum, she's a professional runner, and she just posted that she did a 30 mile week, which was like shocking to some people, but um, there are other people like, who have the same background as her who maybe didn't start running again until 12 weeks postpartum and they probably started back with run walks and so it's really gonna vary from person to person but i think the best advice that i can give someone is to be as conservative as possible because it's better to err on the side of caution and build slowly than it would be to come back too quickly and then have a setback because no one wants to have a setback we would just like to continuously be feeling good and building because we want to think of like your long-term success in the sport and while i know it can be really challenging to come back slowly it is really important to think about the big picture and not jeopardize um your long-term potential success for these short-term things and there are definitely a lot of other ways that you can have that stress relieving outlet because maybe that's the reason why you feel really antsy to go back there are other ways to maybe get that stress relief maybe other coping mechanisms for this big change and big stress event Um, as i know running is really important to a lot of people Um, but your core is going to be really weak when you are coming back not only because pregnancy weakens your core because you have to stretch but also because you go through the trauma of birth and that is um, a trauma on the pelvic floor Um, if you're giving birth vaginally if you are giving birth via c-section that is a major abdominal surgery and that is really going to be in your core muscle I mean everything really is shifted around it's a big recovery process So allowing yourself grace and time to come back into things and ease into things and also understanding that you might have a timeline in your head, but it probably will get tweaked along the way because you don't really know how your birth is going to go. You don't really know how the recovery from your birth is going to go. But I think if you are able to just take it one kind of day at a time, one step at a time and focus on tangible things along the way, you're going to find success and fulfillment in that. And also realizing that maybe like where you were during pregnancy or even pre-pregnancy, it might not be where where you're at postpartum. I remember my first couple runs coming back postpartum with um, both kids actually uh, feeling that I actually felt better and faster when I was pregnant like 38 37 weeks pregnant running than I did postpartum and so postpartum running was a real challenge for me and I think a lot of other women have shared that it is more challenging than they anticipated but what is really cool about it is that you progressively get faster throughout the the weeks coming back you're going to be on a journey of building. And so you give yourself that beginner's mindset again. Allow yourself to start back with those run walks and really try not to rush it because injury is really common postpartum for a number of reasons. One of them being you did take some time off and sometimes you're at maybe a heavier weight and it causes an injury. If you are breastfeeding, you have more of the relaxing hormone in your body and it can just cause a lot of um, things that flare up that maybe wouldn't have been there. You also want to keep in mind that you also went through a major life stress event and sleep def- deprivation, nursing. There are so many things that can be going on in addition to that. And so just giving yourself grace during this time because it is challenging. But I think focusing on one day at a time and building back slowly setting small benchmarks along the way and giving yourself that like nine to 12 months to really get back to maybe a place where you feel, um, feel strong as a runner again, because it is, it is a time to build back. <laughs> number five, I'll kind of let you take this one because I did the whole last question, but number five was, is body weight strength training as effective as using weights in the weight room.
1: Yeah, I think this, this can be, you know, it depends where you're starting at, right? So body weight training can be highly effective for someone that has not much experience with um, lifting period, right? And so there's a lot of things you can do with your own body weight to help increase your strength. And so you first wanna, um, when you think about strength training as a whole, you wanna identify, you know, what are your goals with lifting? Um, also, what is a time frame you're able to really commit to to lifting, and um, what space are you going to be doing it? Because if you don't have access to fitness center or weight machines or anything like that, or even like free weights, then you're going to have to be more creative, right, about what sorts of of lifting that you are able to, to do. And so you can progress you know take the take body squats for example there are ways to progress squats and to make it more challenging you know you can do um single leg you can do split squats right and then you could do bulgarian split split squats if you have like a weight that you can hold make it more challenging that way and so there there's a progression for almost every type of lift you just have to figure out like how much of it can you handle and where are you starting at um a lot of times body weight uh, plyometrics can be something you can do to work on speed and power. And so you Mm -hmm. might be doing more like fast paced stuff with plyos. And so that those are some different opportunities there where you don't really need weights. Um, But you can definitely start out with just body weight. The next thing I think, would be worth adding would be something with resistance bands and then mm-hmm. just getting like either one kettlebell or a set of dumbbells and you can do a lot with those and so if you're kind of new to lifting that's how i would recommend getting started in our app that we have for strength we do have different programs um at, for for these different levels and uh, different types of equipment and so it's all about just kind of getting started figuring out what's going to work for you and then hopefully uh doing something that you can be consistent with
0: yeah, body weight is definitely better than not doing anything, mm-hmm. right? And I think it is really good for beginners. Like I know my mom has recently really wanted to get into strength training, and she's able to really do a lot because she's more a beginner at it, and so she can do a lot of with just using your body weight and see really good results for a long time. And so she doesn't really need to start adding in weight Um, maybe for a couple of weeks or whatever. But I do think there is a lot of benefit to adding on those weights. It really is depending on your goals, right? right? Like, I think there is a lot that can be done with plyometrics. um, But, you know, just... It depends on your goals right and it like those um what were they like the insanity programs right. and all of those ones where you can like do them at home I think they are really good workouts but the thing with plyometrics and a lot of the insanity type workouts um, I used to do insanity I've done like T twenty by the same person, um, but it seems like those are more like cardio workouts mm-hmm. to me. A lot of them are like hit type workouts. Um, so we do also want to be aware of like the systems we're using and maybe like how we're stressing the body because some of those are more targeted as like it's also a cardio type workout. Like you're gonna be doing like jumping jacks or. We went to Lifetime once and we took an alpha class, but they kind of were using the treadmills and there was jump rope and so burpees. And a lot of it was almost like an aerobic thing. Like we were on the treadmill, we were doing a jump rope, um, jumping jacks, that sort of thing. And and if you're already running, you're kind of getting a lot of those cardiovascular benefits and it's almost better if we focus 100% on the strength. I do think some of those workouts like the T20 Insanity, um, some of those classes at the gym or like Orange Theory, those are really good workouts for people who maybe are not doing a lot of cardio. Maybe it's like more their cardio day. But I think for a runner, it would be really good to diversify and do something that isn't using the cardiovascular system for strength training, just so we're not like burning a candle at both ends.
1: Yeah, exactly. Really well said. So you're, you'd be better off, you know, sticking with your running and then just starting with like maybe two days a week. You do like, um, you do, you know, one day where it's more strength focused, like you can do lunges and you can do push-ups and stuff like that. And then the next day might be more like stability, mobility type work where mm-hmm. you're just using your body work but your body weight, but you're still doing these different movements that are going to help kind of reinforce and strengthen the tendons and ligaments and joints that um, are important to, to keep you know, strong to be, to be, um, healthy and running. So I think that that would be a good starting point is just to find some sort of routine that you can stick to and, and do it consistently. And, um, you probably don't need to add weights for at least a while, you know, and then.
0: Right. Well, and then the, the other thing about that, just adding on to the whole idea of like the orange theory classes and the treadmill classes and all of the, the cardio type hit lifting that's out there, high intensity interval training, mm-hmm. um, I just think for a lot of runners they're drawn to that because i think runners think you have to be constantly working at like a harder effort elevated heart rate you have to be breathing like kind of the whole time and to get a good workout because when you're running that's how it is it's continuous there is no rest we are going you're going right so i can see why a runner would be really drawn to those workouts I hear oftentimes runners, some runners, right, who don't really like to lift, they'll say it's boring or it feels weird or I feel like I didn't do anything. Mm -hmm. Or they say the same things about yoga oh, it's just so boring. I can't do it. Like it's, but what's interesting about that, especially because I think a lot of runners really don't like to strength train because it is, kind of different different, it's not necessarily boring i wouldn't say but it is different the other reason why i see a lot of runners shine away from using the weights is to be quite frank i know a lot of people who are very advanced high level i would argue elite runners they're great athletes when you go into the weight room and you've never done this before and you see the other people in the gym who maybe, I don't know, they're just kind of lifting and you see what they're lifting. It means comparison trap, right? And then you go to lift, you can barely lift the bar for a squat. I mean, it's it's embar- it's, it's not embarrassing, but it can be. It can elicit right. feelings of almost like, am yeah. I doing something wrong? Like, I don't understand how I'm so good at running, but I can't even squat the bar without like not being able to walk the next day. And I'm saying this because I have been there and I have friends that have been there and i know people who oh, yeah. refuse to go li- weight lift um, because they they just are like i'm not good at it it doesn't work it's pointless um but i think some of that has to do with when you become so good at running when you or even right. if you're like average good at running like you don't have to be elite to have this if you're running and you're doing like half marathons and marathons like you're good i don't care like well how fast or slow you're going you're good at your sport um and then you're gonna go do a new sport you're not going to be good and so i just want people to realize like you're not going to be good at lifting weights just because you're a runner and it does take practice to kind of get better at it and give yourself the grace to like not be an expert to not be good at it at all because you are going to be able to progress so much in your weightlifting journey if you allow yourself almost to laugh at yourself and be like okay i cannot even lift this 10 pound dumbbell right. and do squats with good form or like, I can't even do a push up. I can barely even do a push up against the wall right now. Right? So it's almost just being honest with where you're at and being able to see that this is your starting point and you're gonna be able to grow from there. And sometimes you, yeah, you probably maybe aren't even gonna hit the weight room right away because you can do things with your body weight. But eventually when you do make that transition or you do wanna start to try to lift weights, be aware and just know that it's going to be normal and natural for you to not really be able to lift a lot, and allow yourself the grace to start where you're at and build slowly.
1: Yeah, I'm really glad glad you brought that up because I think we want results like overnight, right? And with lifting, it it's going to take a long time so to see much. the gains. So you just have to uh, convince yourself like it's going to pay off and help complement your running down the road. And so figure out what routine is going to work for you and stick to it. And then, Mm -hmm. yes, you can add, like, small changes here and there, right? Like, up the weight or take this out, put this back in. But you don't need to, like, do such drastic things, right? Like, hit class one day and then you're going to try this the next day. Like, try something, stick to it. Um, And I'm a testament to the same thing. Like, I used to be um, very sort of, like – I'd go in there and I'd see how much these guys are putting on the barbell with their deadlift. And I'm like, I'm doing (laughs) like, like 150, 200 pounds less than they are. Oh, yeah. Um, But just after like four or five months of consistently doing it, you know, my weight has gone up 80 to 100 pounds. So it's like you can, you can progress. You just have to, like you said, give yourself the grace, be patient, um, learn the technique, learn the form. Um, and there are ways, uh, you know, find a workout partner or a personal trainer, someone to help you keep you accountable.
0: Well, I think there's this stigma out there as well that like you can't do both or like somehow you can't like gain a lot of strength and still be fast or you can't like strength train and run at a high level but that i mean people have smashed that stereotype in the face before like nick simmons i love his youtube videos and his little challenges that he'll do because what is is like him and ryan hall what is it they they try to do the fight
1: that that deadlift 500 pounds and run a five minute mile that was kind of like their goal 500 pounds yeah just like that's insane i think they got up to four hundred. I just don't Close. know if they ever right. finished the challenge or not. But And then
0: they had to go immediately after and run. Yeah. The four of of five minute or four
1: sub five was the Sub goal, five. But.
0: I mean yeah, and compared to like where they used to be, that's not like, they're not in their peak, but, like, that's still insane. Still I mean, that's insane. I think it's insane. And so they're both able, they're both running, um, you know, a not like, that's still a super high level. Obviously, they're not in the Olympics anymore, but that's, like, insane. And they're lifting a ton, too. So, like, you can do both. Um, and then... Yeah, I've even seen other people get into lifting in the running community, and it, it almost, like, complements their running. Um, it could be for a number of reasons, right? Like, maybe it's not, like, a direct impact, but if you learn how to push yourself in a different setting. So, yes. one of those complaints of, like, oh, like, I don't like how it feels. Oh, well, yeah. it, you don't, Pe- but you learn how to, like, dig deep. It's like an athlete mindset.
1: I've heard people say a lot of times that racing 5Ks are scarier to them than racing a marathon, and that's partially why, right? Like, it's just that comfort. Mm -hmm. They don't have that yet. And so by doing that in a different setting, I think it can help with confidence.
0: Totally. Yeah, I feel like I could go on and on to the swim We should (laughs) skip down to the sixth and final question. Everyone says that running is bad (laughs) for the knees. How do I prove them wrong? Well, just kind of going back to just how do we prove them wrong? I think just starting off with that because we will go into how you can prove them wrong. But um, also, like it doesn't really matter what anyone thinks, right? Like you don't need to prove anyone wrong. You can lead by example, right, and show people that like, hey, this is a healthy complement to your lifestyle. I think when I first started running. A lot of people in my family were like, why are you doing that? It's too aggressive. It's, like, abrasive. Like, you shouldn't be doing that. You should be doing this instead. Or, like, that's kind of a waste of your time. There was kind of a lot of naysayer-ishness that can go on, especially when you have a hobby that maybe, like, your friends don't or it's just kind of, like, a new thing because maybe they don't know anyone who's a runner yet. And you maybe could be that one person for them. And once they see that, like, oh, hey, this person does a lot of marathons or this person runs a lot and, like, they actually don't have knee injuries. You can lead by example and be that person that almost, like, smashes a stereotype. So it's, like, fast forward. I've been running for however many years, 12, 15 now. I don't even know. Um, But the people who used to tell me, like, running was a waste of my time, don't run, some of the people in my family, it's, like, they turned into runners. They ran (laughs) marathons. And so you just never know who you're influencing by example sometimes saying nothing is the best thing you can do and they will see and one day they'll ask you like how can I get into running how do you do that right so that's kind of my take on some of these how to prove wrong things but I do think it's important to kind of talk about this so we want to talk about how running myths are like in the running community but This this isn't necessarily like a myth, right? Some people do get knee injuries. And I think we just need to like put that out there. If you you do sports, like think of all the NFL players, concussions, ACL tears. Like if you do sports, if you're doing anything and you're pushing your body to the limits and so i'm not saying every runner is doing this but there are a lot of runners that get really caught up and they're like i want to be the best i can i want to push myself to absolute limits or you'd be like me i want to do 23 marathons i want to pr you know like you just you kind of get fixated on like i want to be the best i can be and you start to ride the line and any time you're riding that line and you're trying to get everything you can out of your body you are going to run the risk of pushing into these zones of maybe you're overtraining maybe something's gonna flare up. And injuries do happen in the sport of running for that reason, because of overtraining. And we see this all the time in professional athletics. And I think even like Shalane Flanagan has had knee replacement surgery, correct me if I'm wrong, I'm not sure. But a lot, you you do see that from time to time. And a lot of that boils down to, if you are pushing your body to the absolute maximum, sometimes you do make errors of going over and pushing uh, you know, past a certain point, and sometimes an injury does occur. And so, what, what maybe looks like a myth could actually be something that is occurring in the running community, and maybe right. we kind of are blind to it because we're like, oh, you know, this doesn't ever happen, but. The reality is, is you know, runners do get stress fractures because there is a prevalence of eating disorders in the running community, and people don't people don't talk about it, right? Um, and there are other things that happen um, very common with runners, like plantar fasciitis or um, shin splints. All of these things. Sometimes there's runner's knee, right? There are running-related injuries that are very common, and so I don't necessarily think it's 100% myth, right? Like I think there is a truth component to it. But I think if you are boiling it down, you see there's a reason why some of these things are occurring and it all almost boils down to overtraining. But for the most part, running is going to be doing a lot more benefits than harm. And I think the harms really start to come when you are doing the overtraining. So that's why whenever we're talking on this podcast and whenever we say like, hey, keep your easy days easy or like, hey, Um, maybe don't run over three hours. Hey, you don't need to do a 20 mile long run necessarily. And you hear these rules and guidelines, right? And you think, eh, I don't need to listen. Well, the reason we're telling you this is because we don't want you to fall into the category of being in an overtraining bucket and having these things happen to you. We would rather have people be more on like that safe side of training and be able to be lifelong runners, not get hurt, not need to have all these things happen that would be overuse-related.
1: Yeah, I mean, you said a lot, and I agree with all of it. You know, the few times I've heard someone say this, it's usually someone that's not a runner, and they're they're just speaking from, like, maybe what they've heard from somebody else, exactly. right? And, and so someone else's case might be, yeah, like, I can't run because I have bad knees. Well, maybe they had bad <laughs> knees from playing too much tennis or from an old soccer injury or... Whatever. And so, yeah, the thought of going on running is not possible for them. But that doesn't mean that all adults like are going to get bad knees if they run. (laughs) If you if you approach a sport of running with a progressive overload approach and you have no prior like injuries from other sports, you know, it it is a safe sport, like you said, um, as long as you are doing it within reason. Progressive um,
0: overload, yeah.
1: Yeah, I just, I think that, yeah, a lot of that, maybe those well, thoughts come from those types of people And that is situations. interesting because I do
0: hear that a lot now. So what you're saying is, so I'll be like, you know, get a massage or get my hair done or something. Right. I don't know. And then you would talk to the person and kind of ask what you do and you're well, like, so oh, like, I don't want to talk needs. about it. But right. somehow it comes out to your runner and... You're like, oh man, and then they're like, oh, I wish I could run my knees, and and I always like am curious, like what happened to your knees? You know, like let's talk a little bit more about this. But I do think some people make some sort of lifestyle choices throughout their life, and sometimes they almost get to a point where exercise becomes extremely difficult, right? So right. maybe you're in your 40s and you haven't worked out at all in a very long time, like you don't even go on walks, that sort of thing. Um, yeah, walking yeah, is. Running in in an, yeah, right, running exactly. would be something that's too much for you. But yeah. if you just kind of slowly ease into things like maybe going on like a five minute walk and then just like gradually building up, you know, it's all about that progressive overload. And so we want to make sure that. People are kind of aware of that too, so it's not running isn't necessarily something you can just like dive head first into if you are already living in chronic pain where like <laughs> let's say you do hair for a living and you're on your feet for eight hours a day. Well your knees probably do hurt because there's a number of reasons why and I'm not gonna it's not that type of podcast, but you you probably would want to ease into a new exercise program and yeah if you were to go and try to run it probably would hurt your knees i I would assume um if you're already living in a state of chronic pain um but i think running can almost like prevent and alleviate a lot of those general things in life that maybe creep up with age that aren't already there because look at some of the the super active people even not even runners just anyone who's super active in their Aging, I bet they feel probably better than you know someone right. that's, that's not staying active, and so I think it just all boils down to everyone's a different individual, and so someone might have bad knees and and that kind of their life story we don't know their background maybe they did you know competitive gymnastics when they were really young and unfortunately got like overtrained and we don't know someone's whole life story and so all we can do is have like a curious mindset anytime we're approaching a conversation with someone and we don't need to like judge anyone or try to prove anyone wrong it's just about like learning about people
1: yeah we can't all assume to know because you know everyone's everyone's body is so unique and we clearly there's a lot of people out there that run marathons deep into their 70s right and there's a ton of marathon maniacs out there i'm sure their knees are fine but then there are (laughs) those few people that yeah they had like knee reconstruction surgeries but we don't know that could have happened um let's say they did happen from running but maybe it could have happened to them regardless of what sport they chose just because of the way their mechanics are made up and so we just have to just you know kind of do what (laughs) Think logically about this. And right. Think about how each person um, maybe just comes from a different. Uh,
0: right. And whenever we're talking out. about like medical stuff, I feel like it can just get really dicey and like yeah. myths and stuff. And I feel like it almost goes back to the whole when people are pregnant, right, or they see you running and they're like, oh, is that safe for the baby? And, and just all of these kind of, like, myths that are out there. And we, what came first, right, the chicken or the egg, like, did running cause bad knees or were the bad knees going to happen anyways, right? But all in all, um, you know, running is a weight-bearing exercise. And this was another thing that I used to think. I used to think, oh, you know, if I'm a runner, I'm more susceptible to stress fractures because you will hear about people mm-hmm. getting stress fractures. And so I got this bone density scan done, like, I don't know, over a year ago now, and I was assuming I – I literally thought I was going to hear the worst news in my life. I thought I was going to find out that my bone density was, like, really bad because think about it. Like, all these people that I have seen that get stress, and he's like, no, you're four and a half standard deviations above the mean. So four and a half times – stronger than the normal. And so I was like, oh, wow. And I think I told one of our Um, PT people that and he was like yeah it's because (laughs) you're running and so it's a weight-bearing exercise you're you're telling your body I need to have strong bones I need to you know grow Mm -hmm. these bones all that stuff and so this is a really good thing to be doing Um, but I think it goes hand-in-hand with all of the things right so it's a full picture you have to be making sure that you're eating properly you have to make sure it's a progressive overload we don't want to be under fueling there's so many things that go into running so just because that's the case for me doesn't mean that like every single person that runs is going to have that as their result, right? Some people it's like um, maybe more susceptible to those bone related injuries because of underfueling or genetics or whatever it may be. So always just taking things on a case by case basis and knowing that in life, I know we love to have absolute truth and we want to know, but there are so many like exceptions to, Every absolute out there like so you could say running is bad for your knees But it's like there's a ton of people where it's it's not and there are some people who run Who do end up getting knee injuries, so it's just there's always gonna be An exception there Um, But that being said just reminding them this weight-bearing exercise weight-bearing exercise is recommended And it's good for people and all in all just kind of doing what? what you love, what works for your body, and leading by example. So going back to, like, we don't need to prove anyone wrong and just kind of sharing your story with people in a positive way can maybe really help be the person that breaks some of those stigmas. And I think almost like what the – was it like Katherine Switzer, the person who ran the first Boston marathon back in the sixties or was it the seventies? Oh my gosh. I need to get my, my, uh, science right. But the first woman who like ran in the Boston marathon, they tried to kick her off. Right? right. She, she did that. And she was like really scared. And I think she even said, she knew she couldn't quit when they tried to pull her off because she wanted to prove that like women could do it because if right. she didn't finish, what would that say about women? Right. What would that say about everything? And so, Being that person is just, you seem to be really convicted about this. So I think just be that person that like proves to people like running is healthy. Running makes you a better person and leading by that example. It can change the whole world, right? So just be that person. Um, So if anyone is interested in having a free 7-day trial working with a coach, this is the time of year where a lot of people are starting to train for their spring races and they're getting excited for maybe something in the fall that they're doing. Um, We do have a few spots still open on some of our coaching rosters, but they are filling up quickly. So make sure you reserve your spot right away. Fill out the form at www.runforprs.com. We actually updated our site. So now you get a free PDF with like five different plans in there right away, instant download, a whole ebook with a bunch of workouts for free in addition to getting connected with a coach. So you're getting a lot of really good freebies just by going to our website and filling out the form there. You can get a PDF training plan for free and connected with a coach. So that's www.runforprs.com. Fill out the form there to get everything you need.